Yo, what's going on, guys? And welcome back to Bottom of the Bill. It's a brand new season and a brand new studio. Stoked about that. Our first guest back is Jessica Hope. She's a singer-songwriter in the area. She's dropping a new single, Let It Burn, June 6th. Uh, and then also just dropped a single back on May 8th, was it, Chris? Uh-huh. May 8th. Uh, what was that one called? Sunrise. Sunrise. It's great music. Uh, she's very talented. So we're stoked to have her on the show. She's part of Sad Girl Happy Hour as well. They go around, take over different venues around. Uh, now it's Florida. They're doing. They've done stuff all around the state, and they basically just have uh, women songwriters come and showcase their music, which is super dope. Uh, she's hosting a jam every or uh, an open mic night every Thursday at Tabula Rasa here in Riverside, a great brewery. So make sure you check that out if you haven't done so already. A couple things you want to mention is a merch store linked in the description here if you guys want to go and buy some bottom of the bill merch we'll be working on getting some new stuff too so we're excited about that make sure you follow us on all the social media platforms instagram tiktok subscribe here on youtube or follow us on spotify or apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and please 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 if you guys are liking what you're hearing sharing it with your friends uh on you know stories facebook twitter whatever platforms you like to use to talk to people and get the word out about things please share and help get the word out about bottom of the bill without further ado here's jessica hope thank you guys for tuning in this is bottom of the bill Jessica, thank you so much for being here today with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, this is our first time in like, what, a year and a half that we've done a daytime podcast? Yeah, it's been a hot second. It's been a while. It's a new thing that we're trying. And I don't know. I'm interested. I don't drink anymore. So this actually helps with um, with that because now I, I'm not going to drink it. What, what time is it? Like 1.30 right yeah, now? Yeah, middle of the afternoon. I'm not going to drink at 1.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. So uh, anyways. Judge you if you did. <laughs> um. How's everything going? It's going great. Um, I just, this morning, figured out my release date for my next single. So I'm excited about that. What's the name of the single? It's called Let It Burn. And when's it coming out? Um, June 6th. Okay. It's the release date. Yep. You can uh, pre-save it on Spotify. Okay. So June 6th on Spotify. That's the name of and the single. It's just a single or the whole album? It's just a single. Okay. It's my second single ever, actually. Really? Yeah. My first one was just released um, May 8th. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. It's super exciting, right? Yeah, I've been wanting to produce music for a really, really long time. I write a lot, so it's long overdue. What's kind of been the process of putting these songs together from the inception to the release of them? Well, my first single I wrote probably like last September. Um, it's called Sunrise. And I feel like I've just been on like a writing streak in general lately. Since around that time, I've written probably like 25 new songs. <laughs> Nice. That's amazing. Um, I, have, I have enough songs overall for probably like eight albums, but um, yeah, I've just been dragging my feet about it. But so Sunrise, I started um, originally recording it at um, a, d a different studio than what I ended up finishing it at. But um, I recorded at Re Retrophonics Recording Studio down in Crescent Beach. Okay, with uh, John Ward and Medico and all those guys. So yeah, John Ward has been like such a huge freaking help through this whole process he's done all of my mixing and um yeah he's he's awesome he's doing great 
and this wouldn't have happened without him or Jesse Cruz as well and John Medico and a lot of other people have helped out with the process, which has honestly made it way more special to me because it's like all my friends that are playing on these tracks with me as well as, you know, making it happen. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. What's, what's kind of been the collaboration process with that? Are you bringing them like songs and telling them more or less what to play or are they have, are they kind of bringing their own flavor to the arrangements and, and, and the, and the, the production side of it? A little bit of both, honestly. So this has all been a huge learning experience for me. Uh, when I started recording and started the whole process, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I'm just like, all right, let's let's do it. Yeah. I had, you know, a vision of what I wanted each song to sound like, kind of, but not in full detail. So um, it's been really helpful to have such talented musicians, you know, on this project with me because they are able to bring so much expertise and input. Yeah, especially guys like John Medico and John Ward. And uh, I've never worked with Jesse Cruz, but I hear great things. No, he's awesome. So I'm actually, I'm a music director at a church. Okay, cool. In Ponte Vedra. And um, John Ward, John Medico, and Jesse Cruz are all in my church band. Oh, okay. We're, we're called the Jordan Band. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, we've been playing together for years now. It all just kind of like fell into place really well because like for years and years I've wanted to record music and I just never really had like an opportunity present itself where it would be like, you know, affordable. And I was also just really shy about my original music. Uh, it's, it's always been very personal to me. So I just never wanted to perform it in front of other people or let other people hear it, which is stupid. <laughs> Cause I think it's, it's good, you know? And, um, it can help other people, the topics that I typically write about. So, yeah. So, how do how how do you overcome some of that anxiety from performing songs that are so close to you? Um, I started hosting an open mic night at a brewery in Riverside called Tabula Rasa Brewing. Yep. About two years ago, like exactly, almost two years ago, and everyone that came in there to perform played their original music. And it really inspired me to get up there and do the same thing. And so I started doing that. I also never really played acoustic guitar in front of other people until then as well. It really helps get me out of my shell. So So were you just like singing before then? Mm -hmm. Singing and like, playing piano. Okay, piano, playing piano, got you. And are, are most of the songs written on piano or guitar? Most of my songs are written on the ukulele, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. I write all of my songs on the beach, usually. That's kind of where I find my inspiration. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I just always keep my ukulele in my car in case I want to go to the beach and write music. That's awesome. Yeah, it can be nerve-wracking when you're when you're writing stuff, especially when you're writing from a very vulnerable place. Like, you know, if you're writing, like, party songs or whatever, it's one thing. But when you're writing stuff that has meaning to you, it can be, I feel like it can be very nerve-wracking when you're performing them out for the first time. I still get like that, I think. Um, I've been doing this for like 10 plus years. Uh, when like you're showcasing a new song uh, to to an audience, uh, there's a couple of different things there. First off, like you don't know these people and you're kind of giving them a side of you that most people, even your friends, don't really get to see. Uh, and then there's kind of the anxiety of the rejection, if people are going to really connect with it or even enjoy what you put out. So... Did you do you feel any of that? Did you I mean, you must have felt some of that when you first started kind of showcasing them? And now it's been two years. 
of doing this. So how, what's that process been for you, like overcoming some of that? Yeah, I definitely felt that way. Um, and I still do a lot of the time, you know, when I play a song for the first time, there's always that thought like, oh, are people going to like it? Yeah. You know? But it doesn't matter, you know, when it comes down to it, it's, it's a part of you and it's like, it's, it's an outlet for me. It's a self-expression outlet for me. And that's what it means to me. And I think that's all that really matters. Yeah, totally. So the first single that you released, what's kind of the subject matter for that one? It's about um, overcoming depression. Okay. Um, I was going through a really hard time last, like the end of summer, early fall. And I was on the beach one morning, you know, where I write most of my music and the lyrics just kind of came to me. I was, I was kind of, I was coming out of like a bad relationship, but I had gotten to the point where I just kind of like saw the light at the end of the tunnel and I was starting to just find my happiness and find myself again and come back into myself. And um, that's what that song's about. How long ago did you write it before you started like recording it? Um, I wrote it in September and started recording it in December, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you find yourself writing mostly about like sad stuff or do you find yourself kind of find, like getting an angle for like every different emotion that you feel because I know that I lots of different angles lots of different angles mm -hmm. okay that's cool I am terrible with writing about just negative shit all the time <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be like the only thing that I get inspired to write about is when like bad shit's happening so I'm curious what is it about like 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 the positivity and the light that you find inspirational that makes you want to just like write a happy song um what inspires that yeah I guess it gratitude yeah yeah it's like I, I have these moments where I just you know I feel happy again and that inspires me yeah that makes sense I don't know yeah. <laughs> it's hard to explain <laughs> no I feel it's you I, I always like I always like when I listen to like like interviews about like songwriting or just like artists in general it's usually like like the like the least interesting thing to me is like when they start to ask like the the writers or the artists about their creative process. It's like for it's like the answers are always going to be kind of vague because it's, it is pretty hard to put in mm -hmm. to context like what that impulse is. It's just like something inspires you and and you just have an idea or you yeah. discover an idea and then you sit down and you just go for it, you know? A lot of my songs start off as uh, poetry. I write a lot of poetry as okay, well. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So I've always been curious about that. So you write poetry and then you sit down and try to like put it to a melody or to, you know, a progression or something. Are you kind of tweaking stuff as you go? Or are you rewriting? Or are you just making what you've written fit to a musical idea? I do. do I do a lot of tweaking. Uh, make it, you know, align with the melody that I come up with. But I mean, I try to make it fit the best that I can. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. That's something that I've always had a hard time with too, is like when I'm writing, I like to just record, uh, not record, but uh, I mean, record the ideas obviously, but I'm like writing a progression at the same time that I'm writing a melody at the same time that I'm writing the lyrics. Um, Cause if I do one without the other, I just, I just don't finish it. Do you ever like come across that yourself? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to let that happen. Honestly, what I usually do is like if I start a poem, I start envisioning a chord progression, like before I finish the poem. Usually, <laughs> it's like it all kind of happens at once, and then it just falls into place. 
All right, guys, this episode is brought to you by Best Buds CBD Store. If you're like me, maybe THC isn't always the right high for you, or maybe the legal status of THC has you a bit hesitant to indulge. So at Best Buds CBD Store, they have an array of CBD and Delta 8 THC products. These guys truly care about their service, so everything is meticulously sourced and prepared to deliver a top-notch product and experience. If you head to their website, you'll find all kinds of educational information regarding Delta THC and CBD, uh, not to mention if you use promo code BOTBPOD, that's B-O-T-B-POD, you'll save 10% on your order. This is not a one-time deal. If you use promo code BOTBPOD, every time you place an order with Best Buds, uh, it will give you 10% off. That's in perpetuity forever. So head over to bestbudscbdstore.com and start saving on all of your CBD and Delta A products. Enjoy, guys. So what is your background? Did you take lessons or anything coming up? Yeah. So I grew up watching my older sister play piano. She was a piano major in college. She's 12 years older than me. And um, that's kind of what inspired me to start playing piano at a very young age. I started messing around with it a lot. And then um, late elementary school, I started taking piano lessons. And I always loved to sing. I feel like I was singing before I could actually form words. And... I started taking voice lessons in middle school. And I took piano lessons for probably about four years, but I hated them, so I quit. I hated people telling me what I had to play. Yeah. I'm like, I, I want to make my own music. So I'm really happy that I went through that discipline and learned you know, the technique and the theory that I needed. And now I just kind of play by ear. I can read chords, but not sheet music. Yeah, I feel that. Um, were you doing like classical piano lessons? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? And then yes. you had to sit down and like just read the sheet music like for an hour every day and just mm-hmm. like go through shit that you didn't really want to do. It was just so boring. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I did too when I was a kid. And I just stopped playing music after that for like four or five years because I was like, if this is what it is, this is not what I want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, what, what, uh, what happens after that? So after that, I just, um, I kind of fell away from music for a while. I like, you know, went through my, my angsty early high school years and, um, I still played piano and I I wrote a lot of music then. I won't, that music will never see the light of day. (laughs) 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 So embarrassing, but, um, it's entertaining though, to like go back and see the stuff that I wrote in high school. Sure. Um, but I performed at, um, my church, a lot that I went to in high school. I, I helped out with the praise and worship doing that. And that was pretty much the extent of it for me until I moved out and moved to St. Augustine. And after I'd lived there for a few years, uh, I started doing little coffee shop gigs on my keyboard and singing. And um, that's what eventually led to me starting my job at the church. The music director at the time walked by one of my coffee shop gigs and asked if I was available to sing on Sunday mornings. I was like, sure. And then I eventually took over a few years down the road. It's really cool to watch how everything has unfolded for me and just like fallen into place. And compared to where I was five years ago, like it's absolutely insane to think about my progress. I I can imagine because five years ago, like you're just kind of getting started working in coffee shops, probably mm -hmm. not very consistently, maybe like once every every couple It was like once, or it was like, it was once a week. Once, okay. Yeah. And then now you're gigging full time. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, this brand that you're doing, uh, which is 
sad girl. Sad girl happy hour. Sad girl happy hour. So it's actually my, my good friend Megan. It's kind okay. of the one that started all of that. But um, all of us met at my open mic night. And we all came together and decided that we really want to put on a show once a month to showcase our songwriting and to just like support female artists. I feel like there isn't a whole lot of that. And I feel like, especially in Jacksonville, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, there are a lot, of, a lot of awesome female musicians, but we just, we want more. Yeah. <laughs> we want more. <laughs> yeah, more representation. More exposure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's been really cool to watch all of that unfold as well. Um, we've gotten a pretty good following now. We have merch, you know. Nice. It's it's official. But yeah, it's it's been really uplifting and awesome for me to have a strong, close-knit community of female musicians. Because that's something that I never had until like last year when we started doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And all these girls are so talented and amazing and just beautiful human beings and there's no drama, like everything. We just all like vouch for each other and have each other's backs and it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So what kind of, uh, you guys are doing once a month at Tabula Rasa? No, just so um, we have different venues. We've played at like Sarbez. Okay. And um, we've played at the Walrus a few times. We actually got to do a Sad Girl Happy Hour show down in my hometown in Ocala Okay. last month. Um, that was really, really cool because then, you know, like family members of mine got to come and experience it. And that was awesome. Our next one is at The Beacon. Okay. St. Augustine. Down in St. Augustine. Nice. I think it's June 24th. Let me make sure. I don't want to give you the wrong date. For all of our listeners <laughs> out there. <laughs> um, yes. June 24th. It's a Saturday. Cool. I think it's an interesting concept because there really isn't a lot of representation for women in the music scene here. I operate primarily in the jam scene. There's certainly not a lot of it in the jam scene. So you guys all met at the open mic and then you've been kind of building this brand ever since then. Have you been seeing like bigger attendance and more people like get, getting active uh, in the community uh, like under this cause? Yes, I have. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had a lot of other women join us in this endeavor as well. The last show, there've been a few at the Walrus that I haven't been able to play at because I was out of town. And um, we always have women that want to like step up and, and join the show and it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's like the, the end game? Do you guys have like a like a goal that you're trying to reach or um, like like a like a, a milestone, I guess, that you, that you hope to see? We really want to like go on tour. Okay. Like the original girls, especially there's um, it's me, Tori, Nance, Megan McKenzie, Elise Berlin, um, and then the ladies in Highway Bouquet, and then Michelle Spalding as well. Yeah, we all want to take it on the road. I know Megan's talked about that a lot, so we um, we've been kind of trying to build up our fund to make that happen eventually. So what's the uh, kind of like the, sa the same dynamic that you have right now, where you're featuring different female songwriters and or artists? and then you guys perform at the end of it? Or like what's the, how, if, I, if, I, if I buy a ticket to go see the, the experience, what am, I, like, what am I getting when I, when I show up? So each of us do typically like a 30 to 45 minute set. It's individual acts. Okay. So yeah, just do our original music. That's awesome. Where do you guys want to tour to? 
We don't know yet. Um, we might stick with Florida first and just go to a few cities within driving distance. You know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what opportunities present themselves and where the wind takes us. Have you, any of you guys ever been on the road before? Um, like with just individually? Yeah, or, touring or anything like um, that. I've been going down to the Keys a lot to play lately. That's That's been like my favorite thing to do. I've been going down there once a month. Where are you playing at? Um, Marathon. Okay. In the Keys. I'm trying to get some gigs in Key West. That's my goal right now. Yeah. A lot of good money down there. Oh, for sure. It's a <laughs> but fun scene. That's too. been really fun. Yeah. Just to go different places I've never been before and share my music. Are you doing like mostly original stuff or are you? Do I do a lot of covers, but I, I throw some originals in there and okay. promote myself a little bit yeah. where I can. That's like the hardest thing to try and do uh, in. I mean, I've noticed in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, really anywhere that's not like a music-centered city, where it's like trying to showcase original music in a in like a bar setting or something is very uh, it can be daunting, it to can. say the least, you know. Uh, and talk about about being vulnerable when you're playing songs like original songs that like you sing a song and then you don't have anybody like responding or just acknowledging your existence. <laughs> and you're like, well, that song is about you know my mom dying, so. Thanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I know exactly what you mean. My mom's not dead, by the way. I was just an example. <laughs> I wasn't announcing that on air or anything. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. Um, <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so glad I have a mic now. Uh, I don't know why we decided to do that. <laughs> Terrible idea. So when's the 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 the, the full album going to be dropping? Oh, I would love to have a date for that, but you know, I originally thought that my first single would be out by like February, and it was May. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna wait and see how. I'm going to keep working with intention, obviously, but I feel like hopefully by fall. Okay. Are the songs recorded yet or you haven't? We've started the process on most of them. Three of them are finished, two of which, well, one of which is released. Second one's coming out soon. And then the third one, which will be called Crying Behind the Wheel. Give you a little little sneak peek. That will be out hopefully like late July. Okay. If they're all ready. They're just, I'm kind of giving them some space in between. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that's a smart way to do it for sure. Like build anticipation, do mm -hmm. the whole thing. Are you working with anybody on the marketing or promotion side? Been doing it all myself pretty much. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, this is your first endeavor in the studio with your music and then you're coming into it working with people like Medico and John Ward and Jesse Cruz. Um, that's got to be a little intimidating, yeah. Honestly, well, you've been it for a long time though. I've known them for so long. It's it's been really that part of it's been really easy. Okay. Like because we all work together really well. We right. all get along really well, and I trust them and I know them well. So it's it's made it, yeah, pretty effortless for me to just kind of do my thing. So for instance, when I was younger, I started like working with um, uh, this, uh, this w one guy, I'll leave his name out of it. He was like a producer and a drummer and whatever, and um, had like just vastly more experience than I did. Um, and I came into it 
trying to like lead this band and like write these songs and record these songs and i was dealing with this group of guys that were just like almost elitist in a way because it was my first time in that kind of situation and i was just getting steamrolled and just like made fun of and all the things because like i just didn't have the awareness you know mm -hmm. i think it sounds like you have a lot more experience than, than, than like going into it than what i had going into it but um it's cool that you're able to work with people that like don't do that to you oh no they're because, all so laid back yeah and, like supportive yeah and encouraging so that's awesome i'm blessed and where's the studio? It's it's down in St. Augustine, Retrophonics, right? Yes, it's down. Crescent it's in Beach. Crescent Beach. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And they took that place over? So, yeah, know. they're in the process. They're starting the, like, renovation process and everything, and they're going to vamp it up. That's super exciting. And they're hopefully, yeah, they have some big plans for it. I don't want to spoil the surprise well it all right you're on bottom of the bill it's all that's what we're here for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many songs are you gonna do for the full album eight eight songs mm -hmm. okay it's a solid amount and do you have like a favorite one off the record so far oh gosh i love them all equally in different ways they're like my children yeah you know it's like they each have something to bring the bring to the table yeah but <laughs> uh, what about uh, babies? Like, like Alan Martin and all that stuff. You, have you like worked with an artist to to like uh, put that stuff together? Or do you have like a vision in mind? Like I'm, I'm always curious about just like the other stuff that goes into making an album. Uh, you know, when you're releasing stuff, I'm just curious about that that angle. No, I'm honestly, we've just been going into the studio and kind of like feeling it out. Like I. I, I already have like a vision in my head of what I want it to sound like okay. and what instruments I want to be involved. And then whoever I get to like play on the song with me, I usually just kind of let them do their thing. Like yeah. for example, in Let It Burn, Christian Powers on drums, John Mord on bass, and then Buddy Crump on electric guitar. So it's basically it's basically voice. a fortune child song. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'm just singing it. Yeah. <laughs> and wrote it. But uh <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, like we kinda just did it like in like two or three takes, like originally me on acoustic, Ward on bass, and Christian on drums, and we just played it all together like as a, as a band and then buddy came in later and i was like just kind of like just lay it down like yeah. <laughs> like there's a part at the end where it really builds up i was like just go ham <laughs> you know i did <laughs> and it turned out amazing yeah so, buddy does that very well he goes ham for yes. sure <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome are they the backup band for the whole record no no it's uh, it's different for each song okay uh, right, because you have Medico playing mm -hmm. too, right? And Jesse Cruz is also playing. Yes. So, um, and those, so you have Fortune Child, and those guys. Is anybody else playing on the record? Who else? I feel yeah. Um, well, Sunrise, my first single, I had like a whole group of my friends come in and do like the chorus part of it. Oh, that's cool for the background vocals. So it's like all my homies are on the song with me. But yeah, that's pretty much been it for the musicians on like the instrumental parts. I can't think of anyone else. I'm like <laughs> drawing a blank. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's a, a but, solid and crew of people yeah. though. That's, oh, that's yeah. awesome. 
uh, and as far are, are you doing like release shows around the singles and the uh, the album and all that? No, not yet. Well, the album once the full album is ready, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have a special event for that for sure. Where are you thinking about doing it at? I'll, I don't know. <laughs> Probably Tabula Rasa, honestly. Okay, like, that makes sense. That's like my home bar. Yeah. That's, I know they would be super supportive of that. Yeah. And they would love to do that there. So. Yeah, they're good people. Is it still run by Jackie? And, mm -hmm. Okay. Jackie and Randy. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's been a minute since I've been up there, but I, I, I do I, I enjoy that place. I got to make it out to the open mic. When do you guys do them? Every Thursday. Every Thursday. From 7 to 10. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, let's try and stop by this week. Um, Hell yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> Chris, have you been up there yet? Not yet. Oh, wow, bro. I know. I've hit every jam and every gig in town and have not been to that one. Sorry, dude. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just made a we just made a jam swap pack though, so we're we're going <laughs> to we're going to get out and get music rolling everywhere. There you go. Yeah, dude. Need more of that stuff here. It's been going pretty good for Jacksonville, though, I will say. I mean, there's some great jams. You guys have the Perfect Rack thing now. Yeah, yeah. Every other Monday, uh, mm -hmm. which is dope. And then the Monday Night Jam and then the Tuesday Jams, YPs and Flies Tie, and then Wednesday And jams. Blue Jays. Blue Jays, that's right. They're still doing Mondays, too? Yep. Once a month with uh, Blue Jay? MoFro. Yeah. yeah. They got I thought like that was a... Thursday. No. Maybe they all... Is there... There's... Jazz one on Tuesday. Oh, okay. Um, the funk ones on Monday. I'm doing Monday. the Thursday one in July, July 20th, I think. Is that the songwriter one? The songwriter one? one, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's an open mic? Um, no, I think he like reaches out to people, to, to specific artists oh, okay. to be there. But um, I'm, I've been wanting to play there for a while, so I'm excited for that. It's a great venue. Kara's a good friend of ours. Yeah. Um, who's booking you on that one? Is that like a... Is it, uh, is Kara doing that or is like a promoter? No. Um, oh, crap. What was his name? <laughs> oh, nice. He texted me. I, it, my Well, um, Rambler Kane actually like gave him my info. Gotcha. And um, I just don't ever remember people's names. Yeah, I feel you. So I'll have it for you. Andy Zip. Andy Zip. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know him, Chris? Not personally, but I've seen um, I've seen his name pop up on that songwriters event a lot. And he plays as well. I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're just existing, just writing songs, hanging out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel you. So you've never played Blue Jay before? Mm-mm. Yeah. It's, it's like, have you been to shows there, though, yeah? I have. It's like a, I mean, fuck yeah. I love this new room that we're in, guys. This is dope. <laughs> All the fucking noise coming from outside. We got to play that back and see if we can hear that. Uh, if you're not in the room with us on the podcast, there is noise near nearby. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll check the tapes and see if that comment makes any fucking sense. We're working out the kinks in the new studio. Bear with us, guys. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I love going to Blue Jay because, like, the experience of just sitting there, like, really listening and take, taking it in. Because, like, I don't know about you guys. When people try and talk to me at a show... It's like, are you guys here to see the music, or are you guys here to like, like social? Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> At my open mic nights, it like drives me crazy when groups of people come in and they they just start like yelling and laughing. I shoot daggers. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there have been times I've had to get up on the mic and be like, please keep in mind that you know there are performers here 
like this is you know a listening environment if if you want to have screaming matches take it outside yeah <laughs> it's it's like be respectful <laughs> yeah totally and i think that especially if you're going to a place knowing that there's an event happening then the idea of like talking or like socializing while the while the while the performances are happening it's just like you know wait till there, there's gonna be a changeover at some point there'll be a break at some point like wait till then mm -hmm. and maybe just give you know the artist just a few minutes of your time to yeah. you know it's and it's super distracting as a, as a listener who wants to be there having people come up and, and like talk to you and you're like bro I, I don't get to do this very often come out and see music as just a spectator mm -hmm. like let me take this in and really enjoy it you know, unless the band sucks and I don't really care, I'll step outside with you and have a conversation. Yeah, then usually you're the one talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, have you heard this band up here right now? Yeah. <laughs> I try, yeah, I try to do that and talk shit about the band while I'm at their show. <laughs> you try. I, try. I just probably won't go and see them. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so that's what I love about Blue Jays. You can just sit down and... and not have anybody do that, or otherwise, Kara will take care of you. <laughs> Just get him out of here. She'll take care of you. Yeah. Oh, that was oh. good. We need a fucking soundboard on this thing. All right, I'll uh, get right on that. Get right on that. Thanks, Tris. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then playing there is amazing because, like, the acoustics are great. It's usually Jack Mock running sound. Jack and Pat Shoemaker. Pat Shoemaker as well. Um, they're both phenomenal sound guys and i've done a few shows there but like one that i did was like a, a songwriter thing and talk about being fucking nervous like nobody can talk and like you got a room full of people just sitting there staring at you waiting for you to tell your story and to sing these songs and you're just oh like, i'm gonna be so awkward yeah it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you're gonna do great it's nerve-wracking though for sure and it's good that you have the open mic and that you obviously been gigging now for a long time so like you're used to doing your thing but it is nerve-wracking it's different when people are there to see you and they're giving you their undivided attention mm -hmm. um versus when you're at a bar and you're basically just noisy wallpaper yeah you know, it's a different i vibe. prefer to be noisy wallpaper yeah that's, that's like <laughs> <laughs> I, th I, you know, I thought about that recently and I was curious, I, I, I was on a gig and I had a couple sit in front of me and they were giving me their undivided attention and the rest of the bar wasn't. And I was like, I kind of wish that you guys were being like them. And then I had this, like, that, that aren't giving me any attention, you know, but I had this, this realization. I was like, is that like a bad thing that I, that I've like, that, that I've surrendered to the noisy wallpaper thing? versus like wanting people to give me their undivided attention. Is there like, you know, is that like, I don't know, is there something to that, do you think? I feel like it's a balance. For me at least, like, yeah, like I don't mind when nobody's paying attention, but if somebody is, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just like feel like the whole reason you get into playing music is because you feel like you have something to offer mm -hmm. and to accept, not only accept, but to favor being the noise in the room that nobody's paying attention to because it's just easier. Like, I feel like there's like a, an element of that where I'm just accepting defeat and that's like a dangerous yeah. contentness, I think, that as an artist you have to like fight and overcome because the idea of art is to like, 
be creating and creating it can be uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it's all about you know life and progress and all that stuff so it was just an, a thought that i had while i was playing and, and it, it was very distracting because i was like trying to sing a song <laughs> like having all these <laughs> this existential crisis. come to god moments yeah. you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like having a fucking nervous breakdown <laughs> in my head like am i just succumbing to to my to mediocrity right now <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. Just <laughs> <laughs> you ever had that, Chris? Uh, yeah, man. It's like I I think about that sometimes too. It's like I'd almost I'd almost rather like performing takes a lot out of you. So like you know if I'm if there's just like two or three people hanging out, like it's almost harder to just perform to two or three people than to just kind of become invisible and then just play because then i'm i don't really think about there's no there's no performing action i'm just doing my thing they're doing their thing and it like you know the 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 cover gigs the nine to five gigs that's that's fine you know like now if i'm on an original gig and not a single person's listening it's crushing (laughs) it's like the weight of a thousand suns is on you and you just can't you can't do anything about it but like yeah at a bar gig you know that's kind of it's kind of what they hire you for to an extent. And like some clubs are really good about like trying to promote the act, even if it is just, you know, cover music, but no, yeah, it just, it's one of those things where, where like the, the thought that was like scaring me was the preference of playing a bar gig because I wasn't going to get attention. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is not a good feeling. <laughs> this is not a good uh, thing to be having as an artist. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, maybe I'll snap out of it soon. <laughs> we all have our phases. Yeah. Tune in next week to find out if Anton snaps out of it. It's just like me, like just fried and crying on the chair. <laughs> like, I haven't snapped out of it, guys. <laughs> And I'm still playing Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah, I actually have never learned Wonderwall. Oh, bless, I bless you! Really, Ble- you haven't learned it? All right. No. So, what are some songs that you refuse to learn because people suck? <laughs> Did I frame that question right? That was perfect. Okay. I still haven't learned Freebird either. That's yeah. That's a good one to keep on the list of not learning for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else is there? Nothing really comes to mind. I've got Brown Eyed Girl. Never learned that one. I kind of enjoy playing that one. Do you? Yeah. Because I always do my own, like, I make things a little different. I do my own renditions. Okay. So it's not just, like, the same drab. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you make it your own. That's. <laughs> I do make I make them all my own. That's cool. As long as you, as you get creative. The idea is to be creative, right? So if you can get creative with a cover, then that's doesn't really matter what it is. If it's a cool take, it's cool. Um, what's the other, what's that fucking Neil Diamond one that everybody likes so much? Oh, oh Sweet, Sweet Caroline. Caroline. Oh my God. If I get that request one more time. I actually have a funny story about that song. I had a lady at one of my gigs request me, request to play that song. And, uh, I didn't know it. So I literally went on my break and learned it for her. And, um, she put like a $10 bill in my tip jar or whatever when I said that I'd learn it. And then... I played it and she asked me to do another song and I didn't know it. And she 
she took the $10 oh, out I hope of my tip jar. I hope you were going to say. Right in front of me. <laughs> oh my God. What a terrible thing to do to somebody. <laughs> oh, I, I am angry right now. This is <laughs> unreal. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm never playing there again. I'm not going to say where it was. Oh, damn it. The, everybody there sucked. Every Tell us off time. Aaron. <laughs> I'll tell you after. Is it Dick Swings in Arlington? No. <laughs> I actually like that place. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> I used to work out at the gym right next to it. Oh, it was Asana. It? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go eat wings after the gym. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> Get, I'll take a dozen wings and a pint of beer. Thank you. <laughs> That elliptical really kicked my ass. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta get them gains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I'm just joking. I just I played one time at the Dick Swings in Arlington and I think it was a me problem. And I just like had a terrible experience. Oh no. And I was just like I had a couple more dates in the books there and I just told them to cancel it. So I was like, people here don't want to hear me. They don't like me here. I'm good. But it's funny when people do that, like the tip jar thing. They'll like walk up and request a song. You've been playing for like an hour and they've heard you and they enjoy you, obviously, because they're coming up to request a song. And then they, they like dangle that carrot of like $5 or $10 in your face. Do you know a uh, name generic song that gets played a hundred times on the radio? Uh, that song? And I'm just like, no, I don't. Uh, they're like, oh, okay. And they put it back in their pocket. I'm just like, all right, but you've liked what you've heard so far. Why, why can't you just give me the fucking $5? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just a people pleaser. Yeah. That's my problem. Like, even if they, they have a dollar, you know, it's like, I'm like, yes, I will. I will stop and I will learn this song for you, you right do, now. You do that. That's, that's pretty impressive. No, I need to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it definitely raise, it raises the bar for the rest of us that are lazy because people will come up to me and do my that. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was my nice way of saying thank you for ruining it for the rest of that. <laughs> of trying to explore my contentness, obviously, and you're making it a lot more difficult for me to do that. Um, no, but it's a skill set that um, for me makes me very uncomfortable because, it's, especially if I haven't heard the song, and then they want you to go and learn it on the spot, um, people will do it. Um, I'm not, I, I have a terrible retention problem. So like, I'll hear something and then it's just, it's out of my head instantly, especially with music because you, you, you're doing it so much and you hear so much of it where it's like, mm -hmm. I don't retain it. So like to be, to be able to like, to listen to something, memorize it, or at least look at the, the charts in front of you and play it like that. Um, is it's an impressive skill set that I wish I could do more of. So kudos to you. Thank you. Did you just say that reading off the charts was impressive? Um, when because in the right context, because you've we given, talked about this. Yeah, right? and I'm bringing it back up again because you just said it was kind of impressive. Well, it's impressive when when it's a song that you've never done before. But when when you've played that song every day, seven days a week for like five years, and you're still looking at your iPad for that song, let let's maybe get a grip right yeah find me a band that's gigs seven days a year for five years seven days a year fuck <laughs> lots of them actually in fact most of them don't even do damn that. it i was so close to just crushing that one and there it is there's our clip guys cool thanks really liking this new space we worked out together 
<laughs> yeah, this paint job over here looks uh, great. Thank God that's not on camera. Check yet. it on the wide. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I do I do butcher it a lot if I try to do that. But, I just I just give them the disclosure. I'm like I'm, I'm probably gonna gonna suck, but you want it. The effort though, yeah. So I'm gonna give it to you. They respect the effort. That's why they, that's why they tip you at the, the end of the day. I'm just like, no, I don't know that song. They're like. That's a awkward silence. I'm not <laughs> gonna like, tell you. To, I'm not gonna learn it for you. Like, don't. Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> I have. I mean, I have done that quite a bit. And typically, what I say is just that. Like, sorry, I was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, maybe I should use that. You're like, you don't know. You don't know that song. Yeah. Like, um, I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music growing up. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, so let's dive into that. When you bit. got home from homeschool? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, let's dive into that. No secular music growing up. Is that real or do you just tell that to people? Um, it kind of was. Yeah, my parents were very, very strict. Um, I grew up in a strong Christian household. And I mean, I'm still a Christian, but I've, I consider myself a little more open-minded than what my upbringing was. But um, there were a lot of uh, restrictions on what I could watch and listen to, and I was I was pretty sheltered yeah. as a kid. So, what was kind of like? What were you listening to then? Um, <laughs> I listened to a lot of like praise and worship music. That was like kind of just what was exposed to me. There were a few oldies. Like my dad was a big Neil Young fan. Okay, that's that's a. Um, surprising, given he was uh, Neil Young is kind of like a also yeah oh yeah built with Bill Withers too oh Bill, um, okay yes grew up listening to that it was just kind of, it was very random very sporadic all over the charts I don't know but and once I got to like late middle school I I figured out how to illegally download music and it was <laughs> the, the world game, opened up game changer yeah. <laughs> LimeWire, Kazo, what was your, uh, what was your... It wasn't one of, it, I can't even remember what it was called. It was just like mp3 dot something. Uh -oh. I, it was sketch. You got lots Sketchy, of viruses, huh? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Not like LimeWire was any better. Chris, do you, do you know what we're talking about? You guys just didn't download your favorite songs off YouTube and then save them to iTunes yeah. and then rename them? Yeah. That was a much was, better process. It was process. like an mp3 converter. That's exactly what I, yeah, yeah that's what I'm I saying. There's a website. We didn't have YouTube when I was in high school. Well, you didn't know how to, school. you didn't know how to get on it, but you had it, right? No. Like I, the, I graduated high school in 2007. YouTube became a thing in 2006. We were downloading music in 2001, 2002. From okay. the engine, from like LimeWire and Kazaa. Yeah, stuff see, like that, that was all outdated technology by the time I got around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just dated myself, so no big deal. It's cool. You're a good time. <laughs> I'm hip. I'm young. <laughs> I can hang with the cool kids. <laughs> um, You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> you have a podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm so fucking cool. There, we got at least ten listeners every episode. <laughs> I'm just joking. We're doing better. It's than that. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good. I was gonna go the other way. Nice, dear. Yeah. I was like, oh, so just like my singles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the entertainment industry in Jacksonville, That's Florida. Showbiz, Welcome baby. Showbiz, baby. <laughs> Welcome to the Ten and Below Club. <laughs> yeah, Ten and Below Club. I like it. That's 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 the new podcast. That's what some I'm working on. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We'll produce it under the bottom of the bill. <laughs> right on brand. Uh, it's perfect. <laughs> Match made in heaven. 
Um, okay, so middle school, the world opened up to you. What were you listening to? What were you down? Were, you were using YouTube as a as a way to download music. Yeah, I'm trying to think who I was into back then. <laughs> I was a big Cascada fan. Cascada, who, who's that? You know, like every time you touch, I get this feeling. Oh yeah, that's kind of what. So that like opened up my my love for like techno and like EDM music. Okay, and, like yeah, house music. It all started with Cascada. Would you say that you're influenced by that in your writing, like now? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I st I'll still listen to it. Yeah. Love a good throwback. Yeah, man. Yeah. But <laughs> not so much. No. <laughs> um. So, uh, who were some of the people that you were listening to that inspired you to like write and uh, be a musician as a career? Who? Um. Oh gosh. There's just so many, like it's hard to pick one specific artist because my music taste is so across the board. Like I don't, I don't have a favorite, you know, it's like, it all depends on what mood I'm in, what I feel like listening to. Yeah. So, um, well, since high school, Lana Del Rey was like a big one. Okay. A lot of my writing, like, I feel like was inspired by her. I feel like. She's, she's got an amazing voice. She's amazing. And she's an amazing songwriter. Yeah. It, if you like really like look at her lyrics. Also, ASAP Rocky. He's my favorite rapper. Interesting. <laughs> Curveball. You didn't see that one didn't coming, see that one did coming you? At all. Absolutely not. I'm like Nickelback. Um <laughs> no. Uh <laughs> I, very underrated band, I will say though, Nickelback. I know. I I liked them. You're a big too. fan. Okay. Wasn't a big fan, but my brother, my older brother, listened to them, so that kind of like got me into it as well. Yeah. But that is, at one point, believe it or not, people actually liked Nickelback. It was a thing. Like when I was in middle school and they were first coming people out, still like Nickelback. Yeah, they just won't say it out loud anymore. Just but won't admit it. there was like a weird thing that happened where it just became cool to hate specifically Nickelback. It wasn't <laughs> rock and roll music. It wasn't music of the early 2000s. It was just Nickelback. It wasn't all the other bands that sound just like them. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was just Nickelback. Just Nickelback. I almost think it was like a marketing ploy on their part. Cause, Probably. Because like, if you're thinking about playing the long game, now it's just kind of becoming cool to be like the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like the contrarian and saying, well, Nickelback's not that bad. Right, which is going to start a whole movement on people loving Nickelback, and then they're going to start selling, you know, tickets again. People will buy their records again or download them, stream them, whatever they're doing these days. <laughs> Excellent marketing. Yeah. Um, sorry, I interrupted you for that little rant about Nickelback. What were we talking about? I don't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were influenced by Chad Kroger, is what you're saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big inspiration for you. <laughs> Have you heard Lana Del Rey's version of "Summertime"? I fucking love that version of Summertime. Yeah. It's yes. so good. It is so really good. nice. Yeah. She, I think she calls it Do In Time, right? Do In Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah Do In Time, which is like the sublime yeah. version that she's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that for the first time, and I was like, it was a few years back, and I was like, who is doing this amazingly haunting version of this song? And I, I had not really been exposed to her very much other than just like a few live performances that I saw like on TV, and I thought she had a great voice. But I've I just seen her live three times now. Really? One of the best performers I've ever seen. Like her shows are so good. She's so good live. She's better live, I think. Than her recordings. Than her recordings. I would imagine, yeah. 
And she's also just like, she has such a beautiful heart. Like, I love her. Like, <laughs> um, she, one of her concerts that I went to, she took like a 30 minute intermission to go down into the crowd and talk to and hug her fans. Wow. Like, I just remember watching her do that. I wasn't down there. I was, you know. A little jealous. Was up in the nosebleeds. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I wished I was down there so bad. I was like, I want to hug her. Yeah. <laughs> One of my life goal when I was in high school was to sing with her one day. Oh, there you go. I, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe it'll happen. Uh, Lana, if you're listening. Lana. Uh, <laughs> if you're out there. Make Jessica's dreams come true right here on Bottom of the Bill. Actually, we have a surprise for you. Come <laughs> on. It's like, generic version of Lana Del Rey from Wish.com. Actually, it's, like it's Lana Del Rey lookalike. Actually, it's, it's this homeless dude that lives out front yeah. uh, here. We just hired him to come in, paid him five bucks. Yeah. He's still got the beard on and everything. Voice of an angel, though. I mean, boy, can that guy sing. Yeah. Girl sing. They, yeah. can, they can sing. They can sing, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh. Um, anyway, Steve, you're uh, you're no longer needed. Thank you for your service. <laughs> you guys can see him on camera. We didn't let him get in front of the camera. Yeah, security clearance and all that stuff. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to know how uh, Aesop Rocky uh, makes it into your top ten. There, I guess he's your favorite rapper of all time, right? Yes, I'm not super into rap anymore. It's like weird. I kind of, I used to be, and then like the past four years, I don't listen to as much rap music. Yeah. But I still love ASAP Rocky. I think that he's a great lyricist. Um, he raps about a lot of things like that have a lot of meaning. You know, I feel like a lot of rap artists just, you know, they perform about the same things. It's like, sex, money, weed, drugs, whatever. Like it it really is like a big thing in the rap industry. And um ASAP Rocky, he's so theological. Like if you look at his lyrics, you yeah. Know, it's very deep. I have so. to do some digging on ASAP Rocky cuz um that wasn't what I took away from from him. I mean, he does a lot of the, the other stuff too. Yeah. But like okay. his older stuff. Got you. I feel like he's kind of leaned into it more recently. Well, you know, do what works, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are you going to do any music like that? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you should. I actually really do enjoy rapping. I don't have the best flow, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I like doing, um, rap covers of songs. Yes. I don't, t- I don't typically whip them out at my gigs. Oh, you should. People love that shit. I should. I really should. I do like an out. I don't have really, I don't have the best rhythm. That's been kind of like a, a downfall for me. Um, like in general or just for rapping? In general. Oh, okay. Like, I mean, like it's fine, but like it's not my strong suit. Yeah. You know? Do you practice to a metronome at all? I do sometimes. Um, I probably should more. That's <laughs> that's the uh, the key right there. For there are some people. I'm not one of them, but there are some people that are naturally gifted and can do very little work to sound amazing. And you know, especially rhythmically, people just come up playing with the right musicians or whatever it might be. They don't have to do that work. Um, I every day have to sit down with a metronome and at least you know 
20 or 30 minutes doing metronome work and then I'll, you know, turn it off and like write or do, you know, noodle, whatever else it is. But, um, that, that is a game changer. A hundred percent. You probably notice it whenever you come out of the studio, like how your internal time feels Mm -hmm. better when you're playing gigs and stuff. You're like, Oh shit. I've just been working to a click track for the last however long. And now I feel (laughs) like I can't play out of time if I even wanted to, you know? Oh, I could. Yeah. <laughs> Do you record to a click track and all that? Um, a lot of the songs we've done, yeah, we've done a click track. Well, I've usually just had like whoever's on drums play to the click. Be like be the click. Okay. Yeah, because like John Medico. Yeah, he's is, the best. He's a machine. Yeah. You know, like it's. Totally. <laughs> You can talk to him about my bad rhythm. He knows. He knows all about it. <laughs> Does he call you out on it? No, no. he's too nice. <laughs> but I, I know. <laughs> His little smirk maybe gives like John like an eye, like, like just like looks over at John, like okay. Every time. Well, isn't there like an ongoing thing about like drummers and keyboard play or like lead singers like starting a song and then it, at one time I saw this meme where it was like. It was like, it was like lead singer starting a song, and then it was like a train hitting the nose of a drummer coming in. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's funny because like, I think it's also just what that role of being a front person entails. Sometimes is that you're you're so occupied with trying to entertain a crowd, uh, making sure that the band's doing their part. Especially if I'm on acoustic, because I'm still like, I can play guitar decently but i'm not super comfortable and fluid you know on an acoustic yeah as i'd like to be yet so that that's been a struggle for me as well with the rhythm part just like folk all the focus <laughs> right that that entails yeah there's a lot there's a lot to keep track of you know i notice it myself in my band where if i'm leading the band which is often the case then I see, you know, the drummer and the bass player and the, the guys around me are all communicating to each other about how I'm fucking up and they give it you know, little smirks and their eye rolls, whatever. Um, and when I'm just a guitar player playing for somebody and my only job is to be concerned with playing guitar and locking in with the band, then I notice that I'm much more aware of the shortcomings of the singer or the front person, whoever that is. So I think there is something to that. You know, I often start songs, I'll rush stuff or I'll start too slow or, you know, I'll turn around to the drummer and be like, hey, let's slow this down and, you know, whatever. And because just there's too much happening. But if I'm not wor- worrying about being a front person, then all my attention can go to playing guitar and I'm not making those same mistakes, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I don't know what that is, but there's something with the front people not being able to, like, start shit sometimes. You know, I don't know what it is. You ever notice that, Chris? Look, I'm trying to keep my job as a side guy, so... <laughs> no, no, everyone <laughs> does. All the people that I work with are fantastic. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just I never noticed that. You sound great. Every time... Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Anton, you too. <laughs> I don't like your tone. I accompany everyone <laughs> in this room, so y'all are all great. <laughs> yeah. I have no comments. Pretty sure nope. we gig at no opinion. Up, don't we? <laughs> yep. We got a what? gig. We got a gig. Me and Steve got a gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get Steve back in here. <laughs> no, honestly, man. No, like um it's it's also kind of like a mood thing. Like if even if a singer does, you know, 
like if it, unless it's like drastically messing up the song, I usually let it ride if if it floats, you know, five eight BPM something like that. Because like maybe they just want a moodier version of it this time. Like maybe they want some like brisk energy upbeat on it. So like I don't know. I'm usually not a tempo Nazi. Yeah. So I'm usually pretty adaptable too. Like I can kind of just go with whatever happens. Yeah. I'm good at improvising. So. Yeah. I once had a guy show up, um, a drummer show up, and he didn't learn not one song for a gig. It was a three-hour gig, and he <laughs> not only did he not learn or listen to one song, he also showed up with his drum kit not put together. And what I mean by that is obviously they come up with their drums not put together. You got to set them up on the gig, right? <laughs> but what I mean by that is he doesn't even have hardware on his drums or anything because he was moving like the next day or something. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I was move, I'm moving. And I just forgot to set my kid up and learn these songs. I was like, mm-hmm. So why did you agree to, to take this gig? And it was, this is about seven years ago, probably still to this day, top five worst gigs I've ever played in my life. Oof. It was brutal. That's not, I mean, like, you know, I've played with people that have have come in winging it before, and there's a certain standard that you that you can you have to be at in order to get away with that. And even then, it's a it's dicey. But this guy was not at that level to be doing that. He was <laughs> just awful. <laughs> <laughs> I won't name him. Oh man, I don't, I don't remember his name to be honest with you. I did the one gig with him. Uh, I'll, I'll give you this much. I used to work with him at Guitar Center when I first moved to Jacksonville. The list shortens. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Figure it out. Yeah. The list shortens. <laughs> <laughs> Not by that much. Everyone's worked there at least uh, for a little while, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Talk about a brutal job. You ever worked at any of the music stores before? No, I haven't. No. It's a solid job. Yeah. <laughs> Real great time. <laughs> um... You know, I know, I know. We said we weren't going to do this segment, but I want to do it because I like. Oh, it. cool! Yeah, thanks for giving me heads up. <laughs> so three do, hours ago, dude. We do a, a segment. Uh, we used to. And I don't know if we're going to keep Ew. doing it or not, but I do enjoy doing it. Uh, it's called Bottom Line News, and we talk about some music industry news that's happening. Uh, it's usually been mostly AI related, which is kind of annoying. So it's fine when it's not AI related. That'd be dope. Okay. Such an asshole. No, here's what's funny is it's now two thirty, and I tried to do this at twelve forty-five. He's like, no, you know what? I'm making an executive decision right now. I love Even those spicy. I yeah. like spice. All right, let's see. What do we got? Which artists have received Spotify 1 billion streams plaques? They give up plaques for that. I don't give a shit about that. TLC is recording classic hits. The TLC versions. Without uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. I suppose so, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else they got there? Uh, all right, hold on. Um, we're getting there. Um, Sting and Shaggy are throwing a music festival. Oh, interesting. Okay, where's that at? Philadelphia. Um, all right. What is it's like a reggae festival or something? Well, let's see. Yeah, probably so. Um, headlining in Philly. They both collaborated. This managed. They're they're both managed by the same people. So I guess this is just kind of a two birds one stone kind of thing. 
did you know they had made an album of reggae Frank Sinatra covers? <laughs> nope. Uh, well, there's the news. Check that I'm out. A fan. Forty-four slash eight seventy-six album is what that's called. What's he called? Forty-four slash eight seventy-six. Huh. An album of Frank Sinatra covers in a reggae style. Um, so like my way. I do it my way, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We wanted to invite Fly some. Fly me to the moon, better be on there. Yeah, New York, New York, all of all of the all of the. We're gonna have a little classic a listening party <laughs> after this. Um, all right, cool. So who's on it? Um, Thundercat, Coffee, Tank, and the Bangas, G Love. Um, Damn, bro, that's pretty solid. So it's a one day festival. Um, so basically, they're just saying they some like they really just push each other. Um, Shaggy says that Sting is a catalyst for musical curiosity. Which I could see. So I guess they're on the same label and things like that. So they might as well just get all their friends together and make some cool music. But it's okay. So when's it happening? Oh, great question. Uh, September 9th, Saturday. It's an interesting lineup. Tanking the bang is this pretty dope. I know. That's cool. Well, not what I would think. For, well, I guess you know he uh, Sting has always kind of pushed push boundaries a little bit even in like a pop world and all those artists are super musical but also sting is know. amazing man yeah he's like uh no complaints what was that the that uh the brand new day album he put out back in like 2000 like 99 or something 2000 mm -hmm. it's like all like world music and uh uh like from from early police stuff to what he did later on is just like his catalog of versatility is like insane have you listened to much of sting no no oh man <laughs> uh the police is great but sting solo stuff is it's phenomenal um he did I was, that i was homeschooled <laughs> what happened i said i was homeschooled you were homeschooled <laughs> i was homeschooled too so wait really yeah for eighth grade only oh what but, oh doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't count just one year how long were you homeschooled my for? whole life your whole life <laughs> college oh my god what was it like going into college from being homeschooled it actually made college really freaking easy really because oh, the the curriculum um just the amount of self-discipline i had yeah like i essentially taught myself from the curriculum from middle school on your uh parents didn't they helped you know yeah. like my dad was my math teacher and then like wherever i needed it but i typically didn't need it you know i just did the lessons and that they'd they'd oversee like my tests and stuff but yeah that's pretty wild that you were able to do that i did it for a year and i basically just took a year off of school when i was 13 years old <laughs> is how that worked <laughs> <laughs> my uh home situation was a little rocky to say the least so uh there was no stability so i just basically chilled for a year i, mean, I did some well you deserve work. that break then yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really earned it at 13 <laughs> yeah, <I> was... <laughs> so uh to hear that you were disciplined and you did the whole thing is is dope yeah, i used to actually be really smart <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all it seems like you're it seems like you um you make like straight a's a's and b's a's and b's um, how often did you cheat on the test? Because it's really easy to cheat, right? I didn't. I was a very honest, honest kid until probably like my junior year of high school. Really? And then, and then I would cheat whenever I could. 
<laughs> Even if there was like no reason to cheat, you were I was, cheating. I was introduced to the devil's lettuce. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, that's so all we went started, downhill from there. Started smoking drugs and we started cheating on our tests and yep. Um, <laughs> but I was still studious. Like I had, a, I had a good balance. Did you have like a group of friends that were all homeschooled as well? Or I did. Yeah. Um, I was technically a part of a private school, but each student studied individually. So I had a graduating class of like 12 kids. Wow. That's wild. 12 kids. Yeah. So when the COVID stuff happened, you were like, you kids need to get a fucking grip. I did this my entire life. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like self-isolation is my thing. Yeah. Like I'll go into the woods by myself and be fine. That's, that's how. That's where I grew up. <laughs> in the fucking woods. In the woods. Hey. By my, in the swamp by yep. myself. Feel you. Wood, wood folk, right? Wood folk. Wood folk. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Ocala recently. It's a different world out there. Is that all, is that all right for it's you? It's just fallen. It's falling. Fallen. Uh, we'll get some upgrades. These these Steve. mic stands Steve. tend to find their way to me everywhere I go. Really? <laughs> all right. At, well, at the church. I was gonna say, don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't set that stage up. <laughs> but sure yeah. It's your mic stand, though, yeah. What are you pointing at? No, what are you doing, man? <laughs> um, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, it's uh, probably helped in your songwriting, though, to be uh, isolated like that. You have a lot of time to think about things and not get distracted and uh, and just focus on, on writing. Are we talking about COVID or my childhood? <laughs> <laughs> Um, more the the affinity for self isolation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really, no difference though, right? COVID, my childhood, basically the same thing. Basically the same thing. <laughs> Fucking wild. <laughs> um, do you uh, do you still like talk to any of your friends from the homeschooling days? Your graduating class of twelve people. Um. We're still like in contact, like on Facebook and stuff. We don't really talk on a regular basis, yeah. but I mean, like I have friends that I've known like since childbirth that I'm still friends with. What was it like with them going to school and then you being homeschooled? Did you ever feel like you were missing out? Oh yeah. yeah. I wanted to go to public school so badly, like probably starting my freshman year in high school, I, I wanted it. But then once I got to my junior year in high school, I started to really appreciate being homeschooled. Oh, really? I was going to say, did you start like going to public started, school instead of skipping school? No, I started, I started <laughs> seeing the advantages. Like I didn't have to get up early Yeah. and be somewhere in the morning. Right, because you were smoking drugs and you were able to sleep in and hang out and yep. do hood rat things. Yep. Nice. All the hood rat things. <laughs> <laughs> Don't show this to my dad. <laughs> right, we'll edit it out. Oh, we'll, we'll put. We'll, we'll put. Uh... I'm just kidding. He knows. Oh, okay. He knew the whole time. I thought he didn't. <laughs> There's no way he couldn't have known. Parents know. It's usually the case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's they, usually the case. They know what's going on. They, they, they were that age. I used to do the thing with like the dryer sheet and the toilet paper roll. Oh yeah. A sploof. Is that they call it? it? A sploof. Yeah, that's how everyone called it a sploof. I think it's a regional thing. <laughs> I did that here in Florida. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, cool. I'll, I just go. I thought that I had invented it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> did you also invent uh, lots of steam in the bathroom and just like, <laughs> do that too? <laughs> did you? 
Did you come Ooh. up with uh, lowering you, a window? <laughs> yeah. Did you come? Did you come up with? Uh, I did. I did keep my 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 window open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just. We used to smoke out of out of pretty much. I mean, anything like apples, apples, pen can, caps, cans. cans. That was a big one. So bad. Yeah. And that always you didn't you didn't realize that you were just trying to get high. You didn't realize how bad it was until you smoked out of like a like a regular bong or something, and you realized, oh, this can is burning the actual just, fuck out of my chest. I didn't just lose a thousand brain cells. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like no wonder this generation has cancer. We we're all smoking out of Coke cans for fucking all of high school. The paint helps the flavor, the, you know. Putting, putting the can in cancer. Yeah. <laughs> This is, we really need the soundboard, Chris. I really think we need to get on this. All right, hold on. Like now? Yeah, right now. Go, go get a soundboard. <laughs> We're a recording studio for Christ's sake. It's just happened here. <laughs> um, that's wild. Um, well, Jessica, thank you so much for being here today. I want to get on to some unpopular opinions and see uh, what we can do. Um, I'm stoked to hear the music you're going to be putting out, though. Um, and I'm going to go back and listen to the stuff that hasn't put out because I haven't done that yet. And I'm a terrible host for that. Oh, that's okay. But uh, <laughs> 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 you're saying, that's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen and uh, give my report on the podcast. So um, thank you for coming on, though, honestly. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Chris, what you got for unpopular opinions today, bro? All right. Um, I'm juggling between two. Um, well, give us one. Yeah, dude. Um, all right. Dua Lipa is a better pop star than Taylor Swift. Yeah, I agree. You know, everyone's hype about this whole Eras tour right now, and Taylor Swift's getting all the love on the internet. Well, but Dua's got better songs, some good production. She's just she's the queen. Sorry. I love sorry Dua Lipa. Taylor Swift. I love Dua Lipa also. Here's you look like you wanted to say something to that though. I want to hear what you have to say about it. Well, that's just that's uh it's it's hard. It's a yeah. hard choice. So here's what I would here's what I would say is that at its surface I agree with you because I like Dua Lipa's music better. But who's a better pop star? I don't know. I think Taylor Swift. She has more experience under her belt. Yeah. And like the way that she connects with her fans and is doing like these three hour nights, like, you know what I mean? Like without taking breaks or anything. And it's like, you know, she's got the full on production of the shows, the production of her songs and her records are phenomenal as well. I don't like the music particularly, but you can't deny that the production is great. Uh, the production value is great on her, on her records. Um, and not to mention, as far as just numbers go, uh, oh, Taylor yeah. Swift is just crushing the game. I mean, that's undeniable. There are there are lots of great musicians that are just objectively better than other musicians that their numbers don't represent. You don't have to just point to numbers and go, oh, "Her numbers are better," so she's a better pop star. Yeah. Do you think that I'm just talking about music though? Because of what the, I think. You well, said I said pop, pop star. I said pop musician. Check the tapes. Roll it back. Yeah. Um, I think you said pop star. Damn it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I wanted that's to say a different thing. I'm right? pretty sure I wanted to say pop musician. Okay. Um, and so take me at what I want, not what I say. Um, <laughs> that's a r ridiculous request, but okay. <laughs> I'm over here. Blood, sweat, and tears for <laughs> you, dude. And, and you can't give me this. Um, <laughs> I just like to be combative and argumentative. It's fun. <laughs> so definitely, I don't know. Pop star status. 
Yeah, Taylor's been around what it's, thirty more years, or not, <laughs> not even just the status. It's about what being a pop star entails. There, it's it's a multifaceted enterprise, right? Yeah. So like you think about branding and it's what you've built over the years, and it's yeah, exactly your performance endurance and like. There's yeah a lot of contributing factors. It's every exactly, and the the music is just one aspect. If we're talking about the music, then I would say yeah. I mean I objectively love Dua Lipa's music. I think she's a, a phenomenal, uh, you know, pop songwriter, especially dance music, and the producers that she works with are just top notch. The full thing, and she is a great pop artist. There's no doubt about it. Her branding is great, and you know that she the collaborations that she's doing. Uh, are amazing and you know her, her performances are very well uh um the shows are very well produced and everything but as far as a multifaceted pop artist taylor swift i don't know that there's anybody that that i think she's probably the best out there well do is definitely more worldwide like uh worldwide yeah taylor swift is like a very u.s thing i don't know if that's true man dua lipa might come from a different country but no like she's did like, you see her like rock and rio set where six hundred thousand people are just still? ripping it up to levitating let's look it up well let's look it up to see who's all righty who's got a bigger uh fan base how do you what is, is that their Google? net worth is a good indicator of uh, that. okay uh and the tickets that they're selling overseas um i think taylor swift is probably crushing in europe Dua. I can't imagine that she, her numbers are not doing well, well in Europe. That's not a good start for Dua. Dua Lipa said, <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me just get the numbers before I... Because I can look up her streaming numbers right now. Okay. Oh, boy. Um, well... <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I lost this one. Uh, yeah, by oh, a good... What is it? $540 million difference? Yeah, dude. I. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Give her the same amount of time that Taylor's got. This is my... 10-year, 15-year, 30-year prediction. You think Dua Lipa is going to have the same cultural impact that Taylor Swift has had? One day. Dua Lipa face. I'm... (laughs) (laughs) I... I've never actually hated something and loved something so much at the same time. That was... Just... That was art right there. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. Dua Lipa Faith. <laughs> that was fun. every every week, dude. I can't. Is <laughs> brilliant. I love it. That was, but also hate it. So. <laughs> that was that was one of the better ones. Yeah, props. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're unpopular, what you a, like to do that? <laughs> what a what a swift thing you just came up with oh, right now. Now we're doing. Okay. It was well tailored. <laughs> <laughs> Just fuck. <laughs> fuck. I'm trying to f- contribute now and I can't figure God, it the out. The duality of a producer and an entertainer at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck. I feel terrible that I didn't contribute to that. Not once. Yeah. No. I at least tried. Yeah, you did a good job, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, bud. All right. What's your unpopular opinion, Jessica? What you got? Um, I think they're both amazing. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about like how I can't pick a favorite artist because everybody or a favorite song of mine you know because they're all special in different ways yeah and like i mean but when it comes to like the numbers obviously taylor swift like it's hard to beat that yeah she's yeah i mean as far as totally and that's not really 
opinion based. That's just like facts, yeah. you know, like <laughs> exactly. Chris, you and your information Chris hasn't and your... figured out what uh, the difference between an opinion and a fact yet. So look, my my uh, role model was Billy. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm I get it. Like shots fired. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, Bill. Yeah. Um, all right. So, but what, what's your, you have a separate opinion though? Like not regarding that one, an unpopular opinion just in general. Oh, just in general. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> oh man, I wish I had time to think about this. I'm, I'm not good at, if it's, if it's not like a dad joke, I'm not good at being on the spot. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I'll tell you what, I'll do my unpopular opinion and then you think about it. Okay. If something comes to mind, uh, feel free to jump in with it. Okay. Does that have to be music related? It can be whatever you want. Okay. I, we try and keep religion and politics out of it. However, if you'd like to go there, we can certainly go there. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'll get a call from Jay being like, why the fuck are you guys talking about politics and religion again? <laughs> you, you, saw again. What, you saw what happened last time. Actually, I won't sometimes. say it. I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. It happens sometimes, yeah. Can't wait to um, hear about that. <laughs> I think cults get a bad rap. In this religion, I was gonna say of? you're just <laughs> the way to go. No, no, no. Because here's the thing: I'm not talking about the substance of the cult. I just think the idea of a cult, oh, okay, is what every business wishes they could cultivate within their brand, right? Cultivate. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea that I did that actually. <laughs> I can't tell if he's full of shit or I not. I swear to God, I had no idea that I did that. That was uh It was just like a radar that went off. It was just like good thing we're here. I know, right? <laughs> you guys I'm I'm a I'm one of those uh what do they call them? Like those uh, on accident geniuses. <laughs> like uh <laughs> um, Yeah, you are about uh Savant, an idiot savant or whatever what they call him. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I was going to say a lot worse words in a row there, but you, you, <laughs> you nailed it. Anyways, um, that's my unpopular opinion that I think cults get a bad rap just because they don't agree with the methods of specific cults. Yeah, man. Uh, they try and demonize the entire um, idea of community and commitment to something, right? But ultimately... That's a very loose way of. I mean, yeah. What is a cult then? Just Other than just a community of people that are all have the same cause. Just, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. No pushback on that. I mean, just a lot of buddies hanging out in the woods with some Kool Aid. It's a good time. <laughs> right. So we can, the Kool Aid cult. That would be Kool Aid cult. There, there was already one yeah, of those, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, it didn't turn out too well for him. Yeah. <laughs> they're all on a spaceship now or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're uh, definitely not here with us on Earth. <laughs> the original Jim Jones. <laughs> um, but, yeah, because we can use those examples. Uh, David, whatever the fuck his name Koresh. is. Koresh. Yeah, Waco. Yeah. Waco. Respect. Jim Jones. Okay. <laughs> uh, and people like that that are, you know, crazy people. Um, but then I think that every business out there is trying to get people to buy into their thing. Uh, on the same level, you know, like you sell merchandise, you have catchphrases and, you know, you're branding a lifestyle, right? You want, and then you want people to, you know, in mass quantities, purchase those things and represent the brand and all live in the, under that lifestyle. It's really the same. I don't know what the difference so is. So I think 
all good businesses have good marketing. So the Colts and need a better PR. Colts have Colts saying. have great marketing as well as businesses. However, businesses don't have the negative side effects of Colts, which Google tells me is brainwashing, kidnapping, <laughs> psychological abuse, sexual abuse, and other criminal activity and mass suicide. I disagree. I think that Fox News is doing a great job with all that. Fox News, the mass suicide <laughs> capital of the world. <laughs> I think in general, all all uh, all brands have their version of that in the all brands. On some level, all brands. Hello Kitty is a you're gonna tell, brainwashing. You're gonna talk to their HR department, bro. You don't know what kind of complaints are being made at Hello Kitty. Just saying. No, you're okay. <laughs> big so Hello, Ki- big Hello that, Kitty defender over here. So what you're saying is that Colts just need a better PR person. I mean, because their marketing is fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Nothing says like an Argentinian death cult, you know. <laughs> that's real so that's good just branding. That's one example of a cult. There's plenty of great cults out there. I would imagine. Let's start listing them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you come on. What you got? Um, Walmart. That's a business. Nice right, try. But people, Bucky's. That Bucky's. Okay, Bucky's is right, a cult. I, a fucking cult, bro. You got one. Let's get on the board. <laughs> have you ever Have you ever heard them all say that? It's like. Every employee they all say throughout it. the entire store somehow knows to say it at the same time. Yeah, yeah well, I'm going to link a video on this one. It's, it's fucking creepy. I'm, I, I haven't witnessed that. I'm terrified myself, of Bucky's. But thank you. That's a fucking cult. People, people go there and they talk about it like it's a must-have experience. It's not. Now yeah. you're it's, selling me. Yeah. It's a truck stop with a Walmart in it. Basically. It's not just Walmart. Ever it's been like, to Beaver Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what were you? <laughs> it's not just oh, a Walmart. It, it's it's <laughs> what pun was coming after that? There was there was no pun. <laughs> I'm just speechless. Think, um, thinking about my Buggy's experience. I've only had one, and that's that's the only one I'll ever need. Please tell it on air. <laughs> oh no! Like it was nothing like specific. Just happened. I just feel like it was an out of body experience. Like I, I walked in and I just, I immediately forgot what I was doing there. You know, you're just like, how did I get here? Yeah, the <laughs> zone. So I'm pretty sure I just stopped to get gas. Yeah. How the fuck did I wind up in, like, why? Why is there so much dinosaur paraphernalia at Bucky's? <laughs> <laughs> like, like. They did have some good T-shirts. I mean, I didn't buy any, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, brainwash right there. You hate it, but you just said they have great T-shirts. I'm telling you, bro. I've so Walmart was definitely not forty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that to me falls under the psychological abuse category. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and financial abuse. While we're at it, what are we talking about here? Guys? Yeah. So not all businesses are cults, but all cults are great businesses. Well, great. I think. <laughs> They've they've really nailed the nar- the marketing. What they haven't nailed is a PR. That's the part that they need to figure out. Well, I would say they haven't nailed the execution. Well, Bucky's is doing a fantastic. Oh, I meant other execution. Are we talking? I was gonna about? say. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> some of them have really nailed that. Actually, now that I yeah. now that I think Jim about Jones it, Jones really, really good. Really, really st- just nailed it. Really <laughs> stuck the landing. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, okay. <laughs> Before we go too far off the rails, I don't support. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making a point, okay? I'm just making a point that's, 
that they get a bad some of the some of them get a bad rap. Well, the ones that deserve the bad rap, they deserve it. But not all cults are that, right? Yeah. Okay. I agree. Yeah. There's Grateful some, Dead. It's a fucking cult. That's a, that's a cool cult. Yeah. There we go. That's a good cult. It's just a mushroom cult, man. Yeah. Yeah. With a there's a, a seedy underworld to that cult, I will say. But Listen, you talk about just, the red bus or what? <laughs> You're not in the cult, apparently. So I have no fucking idea what you're I'll, talking uh, about. I'll, never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not okay. Anyways, not kidding. <laughs> no, I know you're not. That's why I'm saying. It's, but that's my my point about the whole thing. The red bus. Yep, here it is. For those of you at home, you can now see it. We can't see it here in our podcast. We oh, have a TV set well, up yet. So everyone at home now just saw the red bus. It's this one. I anyway. can't see that from here, but <sighs> okay. it doesn't matter. I, I can, I can, you know, cults. Good. I can put it together in my head. Yeah, Jessica, what do you guys? You think we get unpopular opinion? Why do people like dried fruit? Oh, it's a good one. I can't. Stand like, why it. do they even dry fruit? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's the point? To bring down shipping costs, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just gross. So it's we're disgusting. Like, like raisins. Raisins are the worst. It's. In the bot, I mean, I don't. I'm not a big fan of grapes, but I get it, right? Well, raisins are disgusting. The disproportionate gap between how much I like grapes and how much I dislike raisins is pretty crazy, right? Like, that's it's, like, it's the same thing. Yeah, but one's basically dehydrated, and the other one. Well, I think my my thing with raisins it kind of stems from my childhood. My dad was a big prankster. Uh oh. And um, I also used to have a fear of bananas. I'll. I'll okay. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> one time, okay, so one for like years, my dad did this to me. He would be like, "This is how you make a raisin." He'd be like, "Put a grape on the counter, and you just put it under a cup, and in the morning, it'll be turned into a raisin." And he would every single night. I would, I would, I would do this, and he would like replace it with a raisin. <laughs> And it just like freaked me out, man. I don't know. I was, I was like, ew. Like, why am I doing this? I'm wasting so many good grapes. And then I don't just just left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> more more ways than one. Because <laughs> raisins are gross. That's a pretty hilarious prank to play on a child, though. <laughs> the banana thing. So he, when I was like probably six years old, he showed me this like timeline photo of a massive spider dying hanging on its web and then like morphing into a banana <laughs> like hanging on the tree and my dad was like yeah you know you see the little seeds in the banana that's that's the dead spider oh my god i didn't eat bananas for probably like 15 years oh my wow. god i just in the past few years started liking them again like got over gotta check for spiders every time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's wild. Well, it makes sense. Why? I mean, not necessarily the dry. Kind of effed up. I'm like, do you not want me to have good potassium levels? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So what's your least favorite dried fruit? Raisins. Raisins are your least De favorite? Definitely. Yeah, they're really bad. Um, what other fruits do they dry like that? Apricots. Um, cranberries. Apples. Apple chips. Dates. Uh, all that stuff. Actually, I will eat like... A bacon wrapped like goat cheese stuffed date like that's that's my exception. Well, I like goat cheese and bacon. I don't think and then you can't really it. taste the date like. So basically, just like if you remove the date, you can just wrap goat cheese and bacon, and then you're good to go. 
right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, um, Get my wall on racing to stay here. <laughs> and I'll turn right back around. <laughs> Deep cuts all the way around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I agree with you. Dried fruit sucks. It does. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the best thing I can come up with on the spot. All right. Well, um, let's wrap this podcast up. It's been awesome having you on here, Jessica. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and um, <laughs> with your dad jokes and all that. <laughs> fucking phenomenal. Thank you. And I'm stoked to for everything you got going on. It's really, uh, I think you're doing an amazing thing uh, with the sad girl stuff and just everything you know it's awesome thank you yeah so uh we'll see you next time and thank you all for tuning in wherever my camera's at right there uh we'll see you next time